Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. And Peter Dowd of theirishgardener.com joining us. Good afternoon to you, Peter. Good afternoon, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well. Is the sun shining on you? <laughs> Actually, the sun is always shining. Um, no, it's glorious now today. It's glorious. I, I suppose it is everywhere. I think across the country. It's no, we are we warm, we're, we're under a very heavy, thick cloud. <laughs> oh, well, I shouldn't have opened my mouth. I know, so, I know, sorry. but we've been getting we've been hearing the city is gore, is gorgeous, and I don't I don't know if West Cork is the sun was shining. I know yesterday and we had this thick cloud, but then it just went it went away yesterday, and the sun came out. So we're we're hoping that the same is going to happen this afternoon. We will hang in Hopefully. there. Okay, there are so many questions in. We'll do our best to get through as many of them as we can. Let's start with this one. Hi, Peter. I've grown a few yellow lupins from seeds in a pot. They really need to be put into the ground. They're gone so big now. Can I do? it now by flooding the hole that I dig with plenty of water and not disturbing the roots once taking the plant from the pot. Thanking you so much. By the way, we were down in West Cork yesterday and my God, the fuchsia was incredible. No photos could do it justice, particularly around Union Hall in Baltimore. You know, you're so right. The, the hedgerows of Ireland are alive with colour now. They're, I'm for years going on about how they really are one of our our most undersung natural resources. They're, they're hives, pardon the pun, of biodiversity activity. They re- and they look stunning. You have you've the purple loose trife, you have ragwort, I know, which will divide people's opinion on, and you have the, the Montbrecia and, of course, the fuchsia. But they're just looking fantastic at the moment. And because everyone's staycationing, I hope everyone's getting a, a, a chance to appreciate them. Uh, and photographs won't do them justice. But getting back to the, the lupin <clears throat> seedling, and well done for, for growing them from seed, that the first thing I should say when you're growing a lupin from seed, just because you grew it from a yellow lupin, it's not guaranteed that it's going to come yellow. Uh, it could come any colour. So seeds and, and seedlings aren't necessarily going to be true to type. So there might be different colours. But anyway, uh, planting it from a pot into the ground is never really a problem. So doing it at this time of the year is fine. Do give it plenty of water. Also with lupins, if you are planting them in the ground, don't bury the, the crown of the plant. Don't bury them deeply. Leave the crown of the plant, which is just you know where the, the, the plant meets the soil or the root system. Just leave that slightly proud of the, of the soil level because they can tend to get waterlogged, particularly over winter, and that will, they'll just simply die off. So do leave it slightly proud of the soil surface. Um, but planting it from a pot into the ground at this time of the year is fine. Doing it the other way around, taking something out of the ground at this time of the year, an absolute no-no. Yeah, because I think that's answered the question for Tom and for Moy, who says, I've got rose bushes set and a number of other plants, that fl- plants that come back every year. But the topsoil isn't great. I want to actually raise the flower bed and put in new topsoil. I'm wondering when is the best time to do that kind of a work, that kind of a job. Take uh, the plants out and yeah, put them back uh, in again. 
absolutely the right thing to do. <coughs> Excuse me, improve the soil, the soil content and the soil quality. That's absolutely the right thing to do. Uh, but yeah, the, the worst time of the year imaginable to be doing it. Uh, you do that kind of work in the middle of the winter, anytime from November to February when the plants are fast asleep, so they have a chance to to repair any root damage caused in the move during that low period, if you like. So they get a chance to repair the damage to the roots before they start actively growing again next spring. So November to January is the time to do that. I have big bushes, hydrangeas, four large bunches of them. They haven't flowered at all this year. Why no flowers? I'm presuming from the the question that they've flowered in previous years, obviously. So uh, difficult always to say, but I would say if they're big established clumps of of hydrangeas, they'll probably benefit uh, during the winter of this year or early spring. Of, of a, what's called a restorative prune which means if you if you've got bunches of hydrangeas which haven't been touched for years you need to start pruning a lot of the older wood out of it so if you go into the base of that plant trish you'll see some stems could be as thick as your arm or my arm um with, with many many side shoots coming off them so you you don't want to go in and take off all that growth in one go because that could be too severe too much of a shock to the plant you want to do it maybe 30 to 50 percent of that really old growth comes out of it this this winter early early next year uh and then the following year you remove the other 50 30 to 50 percent um so you can do it over two or three seasons and that should produce much more vibrant growth and much more vibrant flowers and i would say that that is the problem if it has never been pruned that will do it also feeding it then next spring with the good quality tomato food like the nature safe tomato food which has the seaweed in it the irish one that's an excellent one uh, that will help however if it's a question of and she doesn't say this in the question um that it was pruned last year or they were pruned last year well then that could also be the reason they could have been pruned a bit too hard which will mean that will often mean that they won't flower this year but they will next They'll year come back i next suspect year. the first answer is probably correct mm. i suspect that they have never been touched and now is the time to do it this is the year to do it okay an email in from Anne. hi peter i have two apple trees one growing against a fence and one standing alone this year and last year i got beautiful blossom beautifully growing apples and then horror of horror once they began to grow, they all, almost all, got diseased and rotted. Help me to eliminate this. So should I cut my losses or cut the trees and start again? They're both trees are about 10 years old, thanking you. Well, I would say no, don't cut the trees and start again. Um, but, but do cut them a bit, if you know what I mean. They will need a pruning. That's that's the kind of a fungal rot that they're getting, which one I'm not sure without seeing it. Um, I thought she was going to say that once the apples form, they just fall off, which was an easy one to answer because that's that's drought at that time of the year. So if anybody else has that problem, that's what that is. But when they're rotting on the tree and falling off, it's a fungal infection. Um, Prune it, and I would say prune it during the month of November. Don't do it now either. So wait till kind of November. Prune it. um, Prune it quite hard. You want to prune off any diseased growth. Now, it's not going to be easily possible to see diseased growth. Uh, So prune it quite hard. What you want to do is One's growing against the wall, isn't it? Yeah. And one, one is growing as a standalone. Yeah. So the st- the standalone, you want to create what's called an open bush centre, Trish, which mean, is as it sounds, really, that the centre of the bush is open. So you have, let's say, three, four or five branches, or maybe even six branches, but all facing outwards to form this perfect open crown so that there's good air circulation through the plant. So if you have any crossing branches or if it's very congested with growth, that's ideal conditions for the development of these fungal problems. So it, it's what we call cultural control in the first instance. So good pruning, removing the, the infected growth and creating a good growing environment within uh, and, and then treat it, drench the soil around it and the tree itself 
oh, sorry, don't do this in November, but drench it in early spring with a solution of copper sulfate uh, and water, which which is my go-to, if you like, a broad-spectrum organic fungicide. Now, it is organic and it is safe to use in a food crop, but it is copper sulfate, so you'd only use it once a year, maximum. So you do that and just as the buds, the leaf buds are coming back into to leaf next early spring, prune it in November. And with the one that's growing against the wall, you do exactly the same, prune it in November, feed, or treat it with the copper sulfate in the spring, but your pruning is slightly different without going into it and taking up your whole program. Uh, you want to, again, bear in mind that you don't want congested growth. You don't want crossing branches. Uh, you want as good air circulation. So less is more at the end of the, the pruning process. Less branches, but uh, strategically placed is what you're looking for. OK, because Willie in Inascara has an apple tree and he says the main stem is rotting. It looks like scab on the stem. He's had it about five years. He said the apples are all OK and they're all growing fine, but the stem is the problem. Well, that's that's the way he's describing that. I would say it's I'd nearly say 100 percent without seeing it, but I'd nearly say 100 percent. That's a, a canker, a cankerous lesion. So more, most likely a bacterial canker, which will um, it will kill the tree. The tree will die. However, there's not no harm in eating the, the, the apples off it. What will happen over it will it will degenerate over time. But I mean, I remember growing up in Dunsland where I was, we had old apples there, which must have been, I don't know, 50, 60 years old or more. Uh, and they were all riddled with canker, but I, we were eating apples off them for 30 or 40 years. <laughs> you know? So, yeah. so the, 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 it will kill the tree. It will lessen in growth. And very often your apples might have spots on them and there might be other infections connected with the canker. Uh, when it's on the main stem like that, there's absolutely nothing you can do. The only thing I would say, if you have other apple trees nearby and if they don't have any signs of canker, this will spread and it will spread quite quickly. So if you have other ones around and they're clean, I would remove this one as a matter get rid of, of it. Yeah, get if, rid of if, if it's if it's on its own, leave well alone. Okay, another email. This one from Myrtle. We've got five very large Leylandi trees. They're over thirty years old. Is there anything we can do short of removing them altogether, as they're very close to the house? Not really. I'm afraid Myrtle is the short answer. No, because they don't respond well to pruning. So in other words, if you prune them in hard, you know, from the side or down. Uh, you, you'll be pruning into this woody brown growth which will never regenerate it'll never green up like it might in a deciduous pl- with a deciduous plant or, or with some other evergreens with the leyland and any conifers they just won't green up so really there's very little you can do and their life the lifespan for leylands now obviously you'll have people saying mine are older than this and mine are older than that but the lifespan tends to be in around 30 to 40 years so uh, i would say it's probably coming to the end of their lifespan anyway uh, and it's a, I know it's a bit of a dose and a bit of a job to get rid of them, but I think I would do it sooner rather than later. Get get them down, uh, and have a, if you need a replacement for privacy or for screening or shelter, have that ready to go immediately. Yeah, and it goes to show, doesn't it, the fact that Myrtle says it's, they're close to the house and obviously nervous of a storm or whatever, and the tree's coming down. Yeah. You have to be so careful when you're planting a tree to think about what's that tree going to look like in twenty or thirty years' time, and how close is it to the actual house. It's such. It's probably one of the most important things you have to bear in mind when when starting a garden from scratch. Trish is just that, and will it cause physical damage to to the to the property, or God forbid, to a human, and also things like root interference. But also outside of anything as dramatic as that, if they're too close to the house, they're going to drastically reduce the sunlight entering the house, which is a whole quality of life life yeah, issue. Yeah. It may seem less important and gradual and all the rest of it, but. If you're not getting enough sunlight into the house, it has such a such an implication on, on your overall well-being. Good point. Hi, Patricia. Could you ask Peter what to do with lilies after flowering and the foliage is after falling back? That's from Mags. 
Well, that's great now, Mags, because that's the right question at the right time. <laughs> so when, when the lilies have flowered, you treat that they're bulbs. So you treat them as you would daffodils or tulips or anything, any of the other bulbs. They're just spring flowering. Um, so the, the lilies would have done their flowering. The foliage has now gone brown and the stem has gone brown and died back. So all the, the grow, all the goodness, if you like, the food reserve has gone back into the, the swollen bulb. So now is the time to cut off that brown growth. If you want to, the textbook answer, lift the lily bulb out of the ground. If it's been a couple of years since it was lifted, you could easily divide it now into two or three or maybe even more bulbs um, and then wrap them in a bit of paper, store them somewhere cool and dry until planting out again anytime from kind of November on or even as late as February or March next year, you could plant them. Uh, or once you've cut the foliage back, that's the textbook answer, as I say, I'm a bit of a lazy gardener, so I cut the foliage back, but then I'll just leave them in the garden and they'll come on again next year. That isn't always the case. So I better preface that by saying that's not always the case. If you do leave them in the ground, you do risk losing them from winter wet or even maybe winter cold or maybe something in the soil. But they tend to be resilient enough. They're kind of a little bit like the daffodils. And we have that argument every year whether to take the daffodil bulbs out of the ground or whether to leave them in. Exactly, It's exactly the same. From a horticultural point of view, it's exactly the same. Just the, the lilies flower later. But yeah, some bulbs, I would say you absolutely must take out of the ground to be sure of them coming back next year, like tulips, for example. But alliums, lilies, daffodils, yeah, I would certainly leave them in the ground, maybe take them out every two or three years to divide them. Hi, advice please from Peter. What can I put down to kill bindweed without killing my flowers? It's taking over. I have lots of rose bushes and shrubs. Thanking you, that's some Bridget. If only, Bridget, there was such a, a simple solution that I could give on, on the radio. Bindweed is a curse, con- convolvulus, to give it its correct name. Um, it is as it sounds for anybody who doesn't know it. it. It just binds its way around to plants. It uses plants to support itself as it grows upwards. It has this most beautiful, if you can bring yourself to admire it, this most beautiful white flower, uh, but it is a curse of a thing. There's no, first of all, I, I don't like to use weed killers anyway, but there is no weed killer that will selectively kill bindweed and nothing else. So in other words, if you put a weed killer on it, uh, it will kill the host as well. So your rose and that as well. I don't have a magic wand on this one, I'm afraid. The only thing I can suggest is keep pulling it out of the ground. Now, of course, when you pull it, the root is like elastic, so it'll just snap and it will come again. But if you keep pulling it over the years, it will weaken, it will lessen, you will reduce it. I'm not going to say you'll ever eliminate it because I don't think you will, but you will certainly reduce its its prevalence. And the earlier you get it, obviously, uh, the better because it can't climb up the, the plants. Um, if you did want to use a weed killer, which I'm not recommending, if you can untwine it from the plant that it's on, uh, get a layer of plastic like polythene and leave leave the roots in the ground untwine it and lie the, the lengths of it then on the, the, the plastic and apply a weed killer then that way as I say I'm not recommending it but, but that is a way of spraying it without without harming the plant but even if you do that it, I think it's, you're still only weakening it far better far safer environmentally and far quicker to, to just keep pulling it from the ground but you will never beat it I'm mm. afraid Okay, Marie says, what would cause the dahlia stalks to collapse? It's hard to say now without seeing that one. Uh, it could be it could be physics. It could be simply that the, the flowers, some of the flowers of the dahlias can get to dinner plate size. It could just have got too big. Uh, it could be physical damage, like it could have been hit by something. It could be a, a fungal problem or it could even be slug damage, where a slug might have taken a munch and taken a hole in the, in the stem and that, then it's collapsed. But without seeing it, I'm afraid it's, it's difficult to say for sure. Listen to this. Hi, uh, uh, hi Peter. Um, what greedy mad bird or insect would strip my apple, pear and cherry trees of all fruit in two days flat? 
not even one piece of fruit on the floor. You want an ornithologist to answer <laughs> it, but it, I'd say any hungry bird in the neighbourhood would do it, I'm afraid. Uh, yeah, it, it, the, 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 I was going to use the word problem, but not problem. The, the challenge, I suppose, when growing fruit trees and fruit bushes is keeping it from the birds. And you know I'm a big fan of, of putting in plants to feed and to attract the birds and the insects. And, uh, you know, you might create a monster by putting in too many of the fruit bushes and that you'll have loads and loads of birds and no fruit. So the challenge is to, really, you need to put netting up over them if this is going to be a problem or create a fruit cage, which is, as it sounds, you, you create a, a, a wire cage and grow the fruit trees and fruit bushes within. Obviously, very, very ugly look. Well, sorry, you know, it may not suit every garden. Mm, but doesn't um, look great. But very, but very effective, yeah. It will, it will stop birds getting into it. Like, if you want to put netting up over it as a temporary situation without creating a fruit, cra- fruit cage, uh, do bear in mind that it's not just enough to, to drape the netting over the fruit because they'll just peck through it. You need to suspend the netting uh, above and on all sides of the tree so that the birds can't get at the fruit. It's a lot it's of a work. Of work it's a lot of work. Marion Butterfield, our rhododendron bush was cut back this week. Will the flowers grow back? Says Marion Butterfield. Uh, no, I would say unlikely for next year. Uh, rhododendrons will, pr- will produce next spring's flowers on, on buds that are produced this kind of July, August, September. So by cutting it back right now or last week, you probably will sacrifice next year's flowers. Hopefully no long-term damage to the plant though, but and it'll flower again the following year all going well. Uh, it depends how hard it was cut back too though, so you don't want to have removed too much of the foliage at this time of the year or else you may have done some damage to it. But if there's enough greenery left, uh, I'd say the plant will be fine, but yeah, no flowers next spring, I think. Hi, Peter. I have a cyclamen plant, plenty of leaves, but no flowers. I did get a few flowers at Christmas. Uh, any advice, please? It depends on which cyclamen plant it is. So if it's one of those, what we refer to as bedding cyclamen, which it, which it probably is, if it was a pot plant at Christmas, uh, they shouldn't be flowering at this time of the year so don't worry it'll be later in the year those bedding ones tend to be just that they're grown for one season they're they're winter bedding as opposed to summer bedding so you just grow them for the the winter and Christmas season and then if they come back next year you take it as a bonus because they're not they're not suited to our climate in in the long term however if it's one of the ones the cyclamens like Neapolitanum or or Heterofolium or Cyclamen Coom these are all cyclamens these are what I would refer to as the woodland cyclamens you know you'd see them Trish under trees and they're gorgeous the older gardens yeah. they really are gorgeous so if that's what it is but I think it isn't but if that's what it is some of them will be autumn flowering so you're just a bit too early you'll see the, the flowers in a couple of weeks some will be spring flowering so again obviously you wouldn't see the flowers this time of the year uh, but if it's the pot plant one that you had bought let's say in flower last Christmas uh, the fact that you've managed to keep it alive is good but I wouldn't expect to see flowers on it again for, for another few months OK alright we'll leave it there uh, thank you for that uh, Peter enjoy thank the you, enjoy the sunshine it really is terrific thanks for joining enjoy us uh, bye bye that is uh, Peter Dowdell our resident uh, gardener and you can check him out on uh, Facebook at uh, the Irish Irish Gardener Normally being a little extra can be a bit much but when it comes to healthcare it pays to be extra and United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company they supplement your primary plan helping you manage out of pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods so when it comes to covering your medical bills you can feel good about being a little extra visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you when you make decisions for your company you look for the no brainers 
If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.